Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss uh, some stuff, maybe not some fun stuff, but we've got a good vibe going. This is our intro song that we've been going with, and I have a great friend of the program, a great guest on. He is the senior action, our senior writer for the Action Network, Matt Moore at HP Basketball on Twitter. Everybody say hello to good friend of the program, Matt Moore. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry, I am late on a trip tomorrow. And so my daughter was like, you have to lay with me and be with me. And so I could not tell her no. I was just completely helpless in that regard. So appreciate that is, a, that is okay. Ain't no problem with that. I uh, I would I would never uh, try to try to absolutely uh, like daughters first, family first. I, I totally understand. Um, but we are now, uh, we're going to get into this game. Uh, not really a big game that happened for this Nuggets team. Obviously, the trade deadline was today. You've been covering this thing all day and for the last several weeks and months. Uh, I spent all day today just doing a whole heck of a lot for Mile High Sports and uh, recorded a live show that if anybody wants to catch up on live content, then uh, if you're listening to this podcast and then miss that show, uh, go listen to that podcast. That would be a great idea. Uh, but for everybody else in the chat, thank you so much for hanging out. That was, uh, it was interesting track of the comments while, while we're hanging out here. But uh, Sean says, oh, Matt, Matt's doing dad duty, which is great. Um, but Robert, I think also he has a really great pulse on what this game looked like for Denver. Everyone but Gordon suck tonight. There's your recap. Uh, Robert, you've got a great pulse on the team right now. You've got a great pulse on the situation. I totally understand. Uh, Matt, the Nuggets lost tonight, 115-104 to the Orlando Magic. We're not going to really like spend too, too much time on, on this particular game, nor do I think we really need to. Uh, did you happen to catch much of the game tonight? Yeah, I was trying to recover from from the deadline, but I I did catch the game. Um, look, there's a number of ways the Nuggets can win in these kind of spots. Um, if the starters like plus eight's good enough, probably in the Jokic minutes. Obviously, the bench like the bench has to not be this bad, and it was tonight, and that's I think a concern. Um, Michael Porter Jr. goes three of sixteen from the field without Jamal Murray that's a significant chunk of your offense, right? Like that just like, that's a big chunk of your offense. that just falls out. So even when your defense is bad, most nights the Nuggets can just be like, well, we'll just put up 130 and we'll win anyway. Can't do that. If you're going to have three or 16 and, and Jamal's out. Um, that magic team is tough. Like they are catching a lot of teams off guard um, for anyone that's like particularly worried about it. I would point you to the fact that the Boston Celtics are winless versus the Orlando magic this season. Um, in order for this loss to be concerning, you have to ask yourself, are, are the magic better than the nuggets? And the answer is pretty obviously no. So like, uh, I think it was a really poor performance. They, the, you, you, I always check your Twitter feed. It's a good kind of, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Cause like, it's a good, like, it's a good feel. I think for what I'm going to hear from, from certain fans. And so I think it's like a good kind of like, okay, these are the topics that I need to have like takes on. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the the concerns here are mostly like 
okay, you never want to see that from the bench because the whole thing with trading bones is like, oh, you got to get the bench, like, you know, and so it's like if the bench is if the bench is just always going to be garbage, that's a real problem. Now, Thomas Bryant maybe will help some when he gets here. Um, Ishmith had a bad game, I thought. Um, my bigger question for you actually is this one because this is something I see from you a lot. Oh, do you think Bruce Brown's a bad defender? It's a good question. Uh, the answer is no. The answer is no. Like, I think that playing defense is really hard. And I think that, let me just butter you up here real quick from Hurricane. Um, Matt Moore, the basketball savant, and fun to listen to. Thank you. Thank you, Hurricane, for the compliment. Uh, I think that Bruce Brown has had a subpar defensive season by his standards. I think that he's a very, very good defender who does a lot of good things. And I think that over the course of this regular season, I've come to realize that he has various weaknesses in his game on defense. And specifically, one of those is the size. I actually think that he has done a poor job against big guards and big wings this season. And that's one thing that actually stood out tonight watching him against Markel Fultz. Uh, Markel, I thought, did a really good job of putting him kind of in the torture chamber at some point. And that's a that's a problem. That's a, definitely a problem for a guy that I think is going to play some small forward for this team in the playoffs. And and if you if you have that and you and you have to switch a whole bunch of things, you have to switch a whole bunch of matchups. That's going to be a problem for for some matchups. Not all, of them, maybe some. But I, I did just see a, a big wing in Phoenix kind of uh, kind of go to that go to phoenix and and that seems like it could be if you're if you're running a switching scheme then that could be a, a potential issue down the line sure i think um i think it's important to note like one of the advantages like there's a bunch of ways that this team is is well built for the playoffs that people don't really realize um one of them is like all these kind of concerns of like well, he's, he struggles with big wings but, Malone, no matter how much he loves Bruce Brown, and he he does love him so much, but he will eventually, like in the course of a series, will be like, we're getting killed here, so I got to try something else. He's done that in games before, like in game, right. he's done that. So, I I it's one of those things where it's evident that it's like it's less of a thing of Bruce is really going to have problems with this, and more of oh, this is not the tool in your bag that maybe you would have hoped it would be. Like you would hope they could be like, we can throw KCP or Aaron Gordon or Bruce Brown on these big wings. And now it's like, okay, you could throw Aaron Gordon, KCP for a few minutes and probably Zeke on these guys for, uh, if you, if you absolutely need to. And like, that's kind of the, the way that this kind of extrapolates. Um, I don't, I think that these things are, are of concern, but I also think that there might be a series where it's like, man, thank God they had Bruce Brown. Like that's the kind of thing is, you have so many opportunities for each different guy to have success that I think that that will wind up balancing out in the end. Um, getting back to this game, you know, look, uh, again, I, I really like this magic team. I really like it. The Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner minutes, the Vog, the Wagner, the, what's, what's two in German? Wagner squared. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what two is in German, but, uh, the Wagner squared lineup is really good. Um, that lineup always, I think is, is pretty impactful. Franz wasn't great tonight, only three of nine from the field, but that run that they kind of had, uh, when they kind of salted the game away came with that kind of combo. Um, you know, Aaron put in a really strong performance tonight, trying to beat the old, the old team. But, um, I think ultimately 
the the one thing that you did say that I think is of concern is like, you know, guys, you are going to have to have some good games on the road. Like, they haven't had one because they've basically been like, home, 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 back to back on the road. Okay, whatever. Home, 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 beat the pants off the Clippers because the Clippers are frauds. Home, 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 back to back on the road, right? And so, like, this stretch here is one where they need to get some wins and show that, hey, the stuff that you do in Denver travels. Like, they could use a couple of, in fact, performances don't need it in the the sense of like trying to accomplish regular season goals, because truth be told, like that's pretty much over. Like they've done what they needed to do from a regular season perspective. They're going to have a top three seed. Like even if they gave up the one, which I don't think they will, they're going to be good. You don't want to go into the playoffs with like, you know, they haven't beaten a good team on the road. Like they haven't looked good on the road in months. You don't want that. So you want to avoid these kind of things. That's where the nuggets have kind of evolved to in their season is they are past the, they are past the develop championship habits and show great things and do all, you know, prove what you are capable of and, you know, win enough games for the number one seed. They're past all that. And they are strictly into avoid things that can slip you up later. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that that's going to be something that I'm watching for, for the rest of the season. I give them a little bit of a pass in this particular stretch because right in between trade deadline and all-star break, this was always going to be a weird kind of era or area for this Nuggets team specifically, just because they've been so good for so long that you're always going to get a little bit of slip up. And honestly, a little bit worried about Jamal Murray's right knee inflammation. That seems like a a potential issue that if not handled correctly, uh, or, or they just like you trade your back, one of your backup point guards. And then if Smith is a a backup specifically, and Bruce Brown maybe has a bad point guarding day, then like sometimes you're going to lose some of these games in the regular season. Obviously, Jamal's mostly important for the playoffs, and we're gonna we're gonna mostly focus on that here. But I do think that in this stretch, there could be some pretty ugly games at various points. There could be some not so fun games to watch at these points. And and it, it's to me, it's just like a February lull, uh, uh, the March blues, whatever you want to call it. It was January blues before. Now it's nobody wants to play in March ever. So Denver's gonna have to find times where they do want to play in those moments, but uh, tonight wasn't a great indication that, that they're going to want to do that, especially on the road. What do you make of, uh, what do you make of Nikola Jokic's performances tonight? I mean, I thought that after the really horrible, 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 horrible start, I thought he actually was like, okay, I got, I, I need to, we need to, I, I, we let's not lose to this team. Like we can still beat them. I thought the second half was fine. You know, he right. came by the time he came back in, it was too late. So that I don't really blame him for how the game ended. Um, I mean, look, it's not great when the end of the game is like they beat him for a rebound and get a put back. And then on the other end, you know, like uh, he misses a bunny on the inside. Like it was bad. Like the bowl bowl sequence was, was unfortunate, but um, I will also say this, this is the second time. If you remember the Hawks game, um, if you try, if they when they travel two time zones for an early start, they're not good. Interesting. Like, this is I, I genuinely think this might be part of it. Is like they're not they are not good on East Coast early start times. So at least in the first one, I think that that adjustment might do something. Look, it's a long plane ride, and we've there's been a lot of indications um, across studies that like the plane rides are the problem. And if you're like that, should not excuse losing the Magic. No, this of course this is an inexcusable loss. You shouldn't lose to the Magic. Like you're the number one team in the Western Conference. You're battling for the number one seed. The Suns just got Kevin Durant. Like, honestly, 
honestly, Ryan, the biggest thing that if like if I had an opportunity, if they were like, what do you think about tonight's game? Which imagine that for a second that the Nuggets ever asking me what I thought about anything. But if they were to do that, I've been like, I need you to win because I need the the fan base to calm down, and I need you to not make it worse. And so of course, like oh, that's the other thing is like once they got down early, I was like, oh, of course they're gonna do this. Like all the fans are freaking out because they only got two seconds for bones and they're going to make it worse by losing to the magic. Like this is, this, this is, this is very typical. <laughs> Shout out to hurricane. He, uh, he, he caught my nickname. I think, I think this Eeyore nickname was given to me by Matt at some what? point. I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the exact moment, but it is, it is very, uh, I think that is very fitting. Look, I, I am definitely one who needs to calm down in, in moments. Like, cause I, I watched the game. I'll, half through an analyst lens half through a fan lens a lot of the time and uh it is rancid <laughs> disgusting I, I did i did call i called the game rancid at, at one point and uh matt matt was like wow that's that's a new that's, one that's, that's, a, that's a, a word that's that's, that's a, a true that's, phrase was, i was just like one. yeah i i just i do think it's interesting though um and there are there are a lot of i think great fan analysts that fall in the same category um Greeny, who who covers the Celtics, is the same way. Where like the bar is high, and you're like you're stressed because you're so invested in the team, and so like when they play like crap, you're just like very stressed out by it. Like, why are you doing this? I know that you're better than this, and the stake the stakes have had this season like from the very start have been like have had you like amped up. Like you are like like the anxiety is real because of how much is on the line this season. There, there's a lot on the line and, and it's a lot of fun to have stuff on the line because the payoff in my mind, the payoff is really, really big. And, and we're going to be able to enjoy that if it goes well. But part of it is the heartbreak of, of you thinking you have it. And then if it doesn't happen, then that's an emotional, emotionally traumatic experience that I, I plan to carry with me for the rest of my life, Matt. So <laughs> it should be really, really good. We are, we are excited about that prospect. Uh, I imagine the bench is minus 19 and 10 non Nikola Jokic minutes. How much does Thomas Bryant help that tonight? Oof. I mean, look, I'm super high on Thomas Bryant. Like, I'm like the guy that's high on him. I'm the highest guy on him, probably. Like, I was talking about him when he was with the Wizards and being like, hey, you know, you could go get because they have yeah. Gafford. You go get Thomas Bryant. Um, and I'm going to have to fight with Adam about it already. I know on Lockdown Nuggets. Like, that's going to be a, a fight with us. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, look, a lot of this, um, <sighs> trying to figure out what the problem with that second unit is, is getting to be a little bit of a mystery. And I don't think, it, I don't think it's like the fact that it continues to be bad disproves any of the prior analysis of it. Right. Like various players that have struggled here, they genuinely did struggle. And if you're like, and then the response I think is probably going to be like, well, yeah, but if the same problem keeps existing, maybe it's not the player. I think it's probably, there's something to that yeah. in that, like for the most part, like, you know, I, I continue to wonder what it is where everybody plays so well with Jokic and everyone plays so badly without well, Nikola. You know what it is, is literally they have built a roster around Nikola Jokic. That is the goal of the roster. Everybody except for the centers is tailored to Jokic's strengths. There is nobody that operates independent of that. And if they operate independent of that, usually it's a negative with Jokic, which means they are then ostracized from the team. 
Uh, I understand that, by the way. But, like, Denver doesn't really have anybody that can operate outside of those bounds other than Murray. Yeah, and I think one of the issues is, like, they don't – I mean, I'm going to be curious. to see, I, The one of the combo I'm really interested in is is going to be Ish if he plays. It's going to be the Ish Thomas Bryant minutes or the Jamal Stagger Thomas Bryant minutes. Me too. Because you should be able to just be like, hey, we're just going to run pick and roll. We're just going to run pick and roll, and Bryant's got a good sense for when to roll to the rim and when to pop. Like, he has a little bit of a mid-range jumper. So, like, you should just be able to create basic pretty good offense off of that. Right. It's like if you took DeAndre Jordan and teleported him back to 2012, um, that Brian's not as physically dominating, but he's more skilled offensively. And so, like, you should be able to just generate some offense. I think he raises the floor of the bench unit. But, like, also, I mean, a lot of this is just like, look, guys, you, you can't let Cole Anthony have a 137 offensive rating. Like, you just Christian Brown, Christian Brown was the biggest problem with that. But like and, it was, it was a lot of guys too. So it's it's like it's a team thing. Like defense is played as a team, and then I know that Christian Brown got killed, and he had the worst plus minus on the team tonight. I hope he doesn't become the new Bones Highland. That would be that would be pretty rough, but I don't think he will. I think that look, Denver is going to go through um, a couple of things. I'll be asking you about the trades more in depth, as well as some buyout candidates that Denver can go through. But tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to probably go over those things that i just said but first as i try to pull up my thing here there we go this podcast everybody it's brought to you by our good friends over at superbook sports superbook is here to bring the final drive for championship and there's no better place to wager on this upcoming football title than your friends at superbook sports shout out to the kansas city chiefs who uh, it's going to be really hard for them on Monday morning, I think. It's going to be going to be a real stressor. Uh, Matt is just in the background here, just dancing away. Uh, Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds, boosts, and features, and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making experience in Las Vegas, there's no better place to wager than Superbook. With win some money as one lucky team wins the championship, download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we are back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here with my good friend, Matt Moore. Uh, we are having a good time, and I'm sure we both had a pretty interesting time covering this trade deadline. This was a this was a wild one. Uh, I, I don't know whether you'd like to start on the Bones Highland trade, the Thomas Bryant trade, or would you rather go more nationally focused? Uh, let's start local, and let's start, let's start with the Bones thing. Okay. Um, where do you want to start? What do you like? What, do you have a question? Um, yeah. So like, I, 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 I honestly, this can be an open thing, but I think that you and I are very much on the same page that the price was the price. There wasn't anything better or else that would have been the trade. And the team was very much more looking for, uh, I think a replenishment of capital as opposed to maybe 
something more more tangible that didn't really fit well. I'm not sure what they were like in terms of picking up more salary and using that traded player exception. Uh, but it, to me, it sounds like the direction became very quickly, hey, we would like draft capital as opposed to another player. Am I accurate with that? Um, I don't think so. Mm, okay. I think I think that there was so little interest that the only players that they were able to generate would have been guys that would not. You would be trading a player that will not play for this team for a player that will not play for this team. And so instead, if your options, if you have no other options and your options are those or, okay, maybe we can use these picks, package them together. Hey, we'll trade you two seconds for the 30th like those types of opportunities or, Hey, we'll, you know, if you got to make a deal, like, Hey, we'll sweeten it with a, with a second rounder, regardless of how real or valuable it is. Um, that that's kind of where it as like the, the book word got out on the bone situation. And I don't know how it wasn't going to like when he leaves the bench, there are league intel people that follow us. Like the yeah, report. I I tweeted about it. I also talked to somebody near me who was an area scout who then probably shared the area information. And once that gets out, like that is that like you know, and then you're gonna then the call comes to the agent. Hey, what's going on with the situation? And then you know Haynes goes on national TV and says he welcome a deal. You have no leverage. Which was, I mean, that was that was a that was a watershed moment. I think in this, yeah. where they probably could have swept it under under the rug if that didn't happen, but or at least kind of like refresh the value just a little bit. But then you have somebody going on national TV, a national reporter, and saying, "Hey, yeah, this guy who's not playing right now, he would love to have a change of scenery right now." And so that's tough. I'm of, I'm of a bunch of minds about it because I think Bones can. I think Bones can wind up having a really good NBA career and being a guy that fans love and being a guy that like, wow, did you see it? Bones Highland at 35 tonight. Yeah. Hurricanes rights. It's your fault. Um, it always is, but you, you definitely should have jinxed it. You should have been like, man, there's no I, chance Bones Highland ever <laughs> plays for this team again. No I tried to do the Caruso thing. I, I said yeah. there's absolutely no way the Nuggets pick up Alex Caruso. Yeah. And then the Bulls did what they do best, and that's nothing. Nothing. I, I just – I got to be – here's the thing, though, is like you're only going to feel – the idea of like the Nuggets will regret this, they're only going to regret it on the on like February nights where it's Bones Highland had 35 – in a one point win over the Hornets. Like that, that's where, regardless of which of the Clippers or somebody else, like the idea of, but I'll also say this, like there's this, this conversation of like, they gave him away to a Western conference rival. I'm just going to tell you, do you think the nuggets are going to be upset if they're in a playoff series and the Clippers put bones Highland on the floor? They will not be upset. They will not be upset. And so, like, they I don't actually again, be doing the Shams lunch meme. And it's okay. Like, it is like there are lots of good players in this league that are not playable in playoff series. That's just how it goes. And there's lots of guys that make a lot of money. Like, 
Jamal Crawford was a guy that won sixth man of the year multiple times, and it was difficult to play him in playoff series. Lou Williams won multiple won multiple six mans of the year. Difficult to play him in playoff series. Like the Raptors had him, and it was like this great year, and then they moved on because they knew like we can't, we just can't play him in yeah. this environment. And like that doesn't mean the Bones can't get there. Maybe he does get there. Maybe maybe he gets there. Right? Like Trey Young plays plays in the playoffs. Right? But like. The return wasn't good for investment because of how much the nuggets sank into bones, not much, not because of how much bones actually warrants. Like Nuggets fans' investment in bones is so much greater than it is league wide. Like I I, I mean, I asked around about it and it was just like there was a lot of like what, what does bone bones how does bones highland move the needle for us? Yeah. Like it there was a lot a, of that. It's an important thing because I've been trying to stress that on this show. I've been trying to stress that anywhere I basically have to talk about this, that the archetype for Bones is that Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams type, and those players get played off the floor in the playoffs, or their value is just slightly minimized because it it just isn't as important as just being really solid defensively and then having your stars shine. That's what teams do. That's what great teams do. And it's t- it's just a tough situation to be in. I'll also say this because there's this like Hurricanes talk about this, and a lot of folks are talking about it about how like well, once the relationship was ruined, what else are you going to do? And it's like well, you got to handle this better. You got to you got to keep them in here. There's a couple of things like this is where Nuggets fans I think are still like where they've been. They were in a spot where they could have the GM hold various guys' hands. They were in a spot where the coach could be a little bit more loving. Like they are trying to win a championship with a group of highly paid professionals many of whom have been in the league for a long time a lot of this is like the player and singer had this today in his report like you need to understand how much of this was generated by the players in the locker room yeah when he walked out those guys are like we not we're we're trying what we're trying to do is too hard we don't have time for this yeah and it's I honestly, here's here's part of it too, is if you want to say like, well, you got to repair it. You can't repair something that doesn't want, like you can't repair it with somebody who doesn't want it to be repaired. And Bones decided at some point that he didn't want it to be repaired. And that's okay. He gets to make that decision. He gets another opportunity. And again, I think he'll wind up being, I, th- I have said this, I think he's going to be in this league a long time. Like, I don't think that Bones is a whatever player. He doesn't matter. I don't think he matters for the Nuggets title hopes, which is where Denver's focus has to be because this window is tight. It's very tight. And like I'm I'm with you on this. I'm with the players on this, that the bar for expected performance and expected like attitude should be higher. It should be at a championship level. I don't know if Bones ever got there with this group. I I, I seriously doubt that he got there with this group or, or wasn't willing to shift to that level. And that's tough. That's a, that's a really tough thing. He has this belief in himself, which uh, credit to him. This is, this could be messing with his money if he doesn't get on the court. So I understand, but I do think that Denver's their, their odds and their, or their priorities have really just shifted. And I have to imagine that everybody in that building is okay with the way that this situation went Calvin would be like, he's, he would be, he's probably saying to himself, I wish we had gotten more, 
but I'm not upset about it. That's probably what the message is right if, now. Well, here's like a really good example of this. But Masai Ujiri had every reason in the world to make those to trade those guys today. Every yeah. reason in the world. Yeah. But Masai Ujiri's investment in those players is significantly high. Like a lot of this just gets into, and this is part of the changeover. And we talked about this. There's going to be benefits to going from Tim Conley, who is very emotionally attached and has very strong personal relationships with not just players, but pretty much everybody in the league. Like he's a basketball lifer to Calvin Booth. Who's a little bit more ruthless. This is a consequence. Like the upside is that Calvin's going to do whatever it takes to get a championship. The downside is that he's not going to, he's not going to sit down and talk this out and be like, no, 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 we'll repair this and deal with the distraction and everything else because don't have time for it. There's just not time for it. Like that team needs to be focused. They need everything in their favor and they don't need any drag behind them, which is what the bone situation would have been ultimately. And that was on account of what the players believed. So um, the players all want good things for him. Like this is what's really complicated about it. Like the players aren't mad at him. The players aren't upset with him. The players love bones. Like I think a lot of players wanted, I think a fair amount, not a lot. I think a fair amount of players, a split of players would have wanted him to stay but not enough and not the ones that matter most. Yeah. And that's at this point, Denver, they, they have certain players that they want to cater to. They have certain guys that help make this locker room go. That's Jokic. That's Murray. And that is honestly Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Bruce Brown. And it's that group now that I think probably just ties this group together more than just about any. So let's move on. Let's, let's shift to Thomas Bryant now again. Uh, the price that they paid Davon Reed and it, I think it ended up being one first round pick, but it, oh no, it was, uh, it was three first round. It was uh three, three second round picks. Excuse me. Yeah. I was, gonna say, I was like, yeah, I was like wait, 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 wait. They don't have three first round picks to trade. Um, no, they'd say it's a, it was three second round picks that they traded and then they received two, but they actually only traded one. Uh, because everything was looped into a four-team deal, apparently, with that Beverly uh, magic uh, kind of trade, I think. So I haven't seen the final terms of it, but I'm sure that'll, that will be released at some point soon, and we can we can all see it. But the point being, Denver basically traded Bones Highland and a, and a second-round pick and received Thomas Bryant, and they also traded Davon Reed. That was basically what happened today. Um is that good value for Thomas Bryant if it also creates a roster spot that you can use for a buyout guy? I mean, I think it's great value for Thomas Bryant, period. Again, I'm just really high on him. Like, this is a guy that was starting in Washington before his injury, and then Gafford went off, and they decided they wanted Gafford because he was younger and cheaper. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he goes to the Lakers, and he plays well, and then Anthony Davis comes back, and they don't play him, and he's like, I want to play because I want to continue playing in this league. Now, I don't know what his minutes are going to be like. Like, he can't, you know, and this is going to be the kind of question um, that everyone's going to kind of struggle with is, do you want the switchability of Zeke at the five? Or do you want the offensive upgrade of Thomas Bryant at the five? I'll say this. Um, I, okay. I think there will be nights when it'll be really bad. I don't know that Thomas Bryant is, like, Thomas Bryant's not DeAndre Jordan defensively. Right. Because he's like, he can move, Right. And Thomas Bryant, like Thomas Bryant's not, he's not Rudy Gobert or Bam Adebayo or like a high level defender. He's not even like, I'm trying to think of a good one. Like DeAndre Ayton, I think is a pretty good defender, right? Not even there. 
But like, I think Thomas Bryant can be absolutely fine versus these bench units. I think he can get you. The biggest thing is just like, if you're facing a team where you don't want to get destroyed on the offensive glass and you need to get through eight minutes without Joker, that's what we're talking. That's what we've always been talking about is right. you just got to get through eight minutes in game six without Joker. So he can go sit down for a minute. And I think you can probably do that with Thomas Bryant. Um, so I think that he'll, he'll help. Um, the energy is high. Like he's physical, he's athletic, like he's, you know, he's in the, he's in prime and that's really good. He's not so young that he makes stupid mistakes. He's not so old that he's not able to, to function. Um, I looked up some of the numbers by the way, like, okay. I want to be clear on this. The numbers are not proof of evidence. Um, I, my eye test says that they're like, it's very, Oh, that was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't so good. Like he has really good games and really bad games. And a lot of this is also Bryant's effort tends to wax and wane depending on how engaged he is with the roster. So like if he's not getting consistent minutes, this might be a problem. That's entirely right. thing that I want to flag. However, 67 percentile defending the pick and roll is the big man. Uh, when you play him at the level of the screen, they allow the Wizards allowed 0.89 with him. The Lakers allowed under a point with him. Those are both really good figures. Like you can figure out ways to use him in pick and roll situations. Even if you can't switch all, you can do that. I think if you're in a spot where you're like, they're running small, we're getting killed. We need a small ball five. You still have Zeke Naji. They didn't trade Zeke Naji. They didn't move Zeke Naji. There wasn't a lot of interest in trading Zeke Naji. So you still have that option. You can go to it. They have lots of options they can go to, to solve small problems. Like this is what I need to like clear is like, these are tiny problems they got to solve. And so instead of dedicating big resources to solve small problems, you have lots of different answers to fit whatever the specific problem that you face is. So now I think that Denver has maximized the Jokic minutes. I think that they have enough combinations with different guys between the starters that they have, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, maybe a little bit of Lacko or Jeff or, or guys like that at various points. But for the most part, those players, that makes the most sense. And Denver's going to be able to run a lot of great Jokic minutes during that. What they've needed is non-Jokic minutes and, and figuring out how to maximize those as best as they can with the resources that they do have, which is just not a lot. I think this is a great move. I think that, as I've said countless of times to you specifically, all they need is options. They need optionality. They need players that can solve different problems on different nights. Like you said, you need somebody who can rebound. He's going to do that for you. You need somebody who can uh, roll to the basket or can also pop. Like he can do both of those things and do them at a higher level than Zeke Naji right now. Uh, you need somebody who can uh, defend it and just just be a drop defender. He's probably better at that than Zeke is at this point. I, I, oh, yeah. I don't know if that's true firmly, but I, I think that he can like go at the level and then drop as opposed to uh, actually switching, actually trying to blitz stuff. That's that's not going to be his forte, but that's fine. He doesn't have to do that. And Denver's not going to want him to do that with their bench personnel anyway. So they have different ways that they can play now, and it's exciting. That's an exciting thing. Also, the part that people don't want to think about, if Jokic gets into foul trouble or rolls an ankle, they are much better positioned right now to just go with their starters and Thomas Bryant. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean... Not having to start Zeke is a big deal. Um, you can play like they will figure out how to play with Thomas Bryant. Like that would be okay. You would have a Jamal centric offense with Aaron doing a lot of stuff. 
but I think Thomas Bryant would be able to, you know, get you through if you need to, you know, if you need to have him play, I think he can play in those minutes. And I think that that, um, really does matter. Uh, again, uh, this is like the last, so this is the last five seasons with Bryant. Uh, he, he's at 0.951 allowed in when he plays at the level okay. and only 0.978 in drop coverage. It only gets bad in switch 1.04. Like that's, that's, the only, that's the only thing that you really can't do with them. And I know that a lot of the upside of the bench unit is that they can switch all, but you still have the option to go to it. Um, a lot of this, I think that will be interesting to see is who fits with him. I will be very curious to see how Vlaco fits with him. Like that will be a very thing I'll be very curious about because it needs to work. And I, I think Vlaco needs to be the four. And I think your bench unit needs to be Jamal Stagger, Bruce, uh, or KCP, by the way, um, with Christian, Vlaco, and then Bryant. That needs to be your backup backup unit. And then if, again, Zeke Naji can be a break glass in case of emergency player where if Vlaco's got a sprained ankle, okay, well, let's run Zeke and Thomas Bryant and see if that works. Malone is going to have to experiment a little bit of this. And this is what's going to be bad is like you're adding a new player midseason. And so there's going to have to be some experimentation and there's going to be stuff that people are going to hate while he's trying to figure out what works. Because I will say this for this season, once he's figured out what's worked when fully healthy, that's what he goes to. Um, there's been a little conversation, which I think has been weird. There's been this, like, I don't know if, if, if Vlaco's in the rotation, Vlaco's in the rotation. Like I asked Malone about it two games ago at home. And I was like, you know, what, what'd you like there? And he basically, he said very clearly, he talked to Jeff green and was like, Hey, and you know, he left it open in case there's a change. If Vlaco starts playing badly, then sure. But like right now, like I expect Vlaco to be, be in the rotation. Like no matter who's available, I think Vlaco's in the rotation. And so if, Everyone kind of has questions about Zeke um, because of the rebounding and stuff like that. Like the, the switch ability is really great. There is, I will say this, there is this matter of like, everyone loves the idea of the super switchable five until you get murdered on the glass. And then you're like, God, why can't guys just rebound? Why aren't they playing harder? And I'm like, cause it's Jared Allen and. And Bruce Brown is trying to box him out. Yeah. Like it's twice Zeke's size. And so, yeah. like, having Thomas Bryant to be able to be there to just be like, yeah, I can battle with anybody, I think that really helps. No, it's going to be great. I think that this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, like you said, there is going to be some uh, – there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way, uh, especially in the regular season. But honestly, with the way that Denver has played, they've gotten themselves out to a lead here that I don't think that they are going to relinquish. Uh, heaven forbid they don't have to play in Orlando every night, but – I do think that as long as that's the case and as long as they have some home games that they can go and enjoy themselves, then they will be okay and they will get the one seed and they will like, even if they don't get the one seed, like what's the worst thing in the world is, is Memphis going to like, I'm not really worried about Memphis. Like I, I uh, think- it's all about, here's why you want the one is if you look at, if you look at the standings, you get kind of a sense of, Memphis is likely to finish two, though I think that's a little bit in the air. The Kings are the interesting one because they could throw a lot of this out of whack. But there is a very good chance that what Denver can get is Denver one, Memphis two, Phoenix three. Now, that's probably going to leave you with Mavericks, Clippers, Mavericks, Warriors, Clippers, Warriors in the four or five. But like... Eh. 
you're gonna have to deal with it at some point. Like you're uh, sorry, they're all, you're play, they're all really good. You're gonna play good teams in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, and you'd rather Memphis be in the four. Like that would be yeah. the ideal, is that like you wind up in the four. But if it's Which is still if you, a possibility, if if we're being honest, like Memphis, like I, I don't really believe in it. And like you've talked about, they're kind of coming back to earth. Like, yeah, I've 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 thought that for the longest time. And also, you know, I don't think you need to duck the Suns. It would just be nice if you're like, let's put as many teams in front of them as possible so that this team that has very little depth that needs Chris and Kevin and Devin all healthy has to go long playoff rounds before they get us in in mile high. Yeah. Like that's ideal. So that's why it matters because like the worst case scenario is that Memphis passes you for the one, you wind up in the two, you have to face the Warriors in the two seven, and then you get the Suns. Now, if it's the Kings in the three, by all means, slide on down. <laughs> Love the Kings. Light that beam, Light baby. Beam, baby. But <laughs> go ahead and slide on down. Like, and this we'll talk. You know, that's where we'll be in April. Um, but you do have to kind of maximize these things. Look, I don't think the Nuggets need home court. I think it helps. That's where we're at, kind of with with where home court is. All right, tell you what, let's take one more break. When we come back, we are going to go over maybe some of the other trades. We'll talk about the KD trade and then do some buyout candidate stuff. I think that'll be interesting. We'll be right back. back pick axe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much everybody for tuning in final segment as we go through uh, some of these other trades that have been going on in the nba this year that's that's the wrong thing um the kevin durant trade first of all what what were you doing when the trade happened and like how surprised were you at that point so i went to the game tuesday night in Denver. And then I live an hour North. So I drove home and I'm always buzzing when I get back from the arena. Cause it's like people and nervous energy and lights and sound. And so like, I usually stay up quite a while. Um, I'm always hungry when I get back from the arena. Um, so I didn't get to bed till like two 30. So next day, you know, do the whole trade stuff, all these kind of, you know, tracking all these things on the phone, talking to people, blah, 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 blah. And I was so excited to go to bed. I was so excited. I wanted to go to bed. And I was like, you know what? Usually, I was like, usually they do nothing the night before. There's usually like one in the early evening and then everyone calls it and says, let's call tomorrow and we'll see where we're at. And I was like, okay. I take a melatonin. Hell yeah. I take a shower. I got nice comfy clothes on. I got a, I picked out a book. I was like, I'm going to just sit and read and be off of screens and just read a book and be cool. And I was really tired and I was like, oh, this is going to be so nice. It was so comfy in bed. And I was like, oh, I need to set my alarm for the kids to get up. And so I go to reach for my phone. Is, is this program PG or not? You, you curse as much as you want. Okay. So I reach for my phone and I go, fuck me. <laughs> and my wife is like, what? And I was like, Kevin Durant just got traded to the Suns. I got to go work. And she's like, oh shit. And, then, <laughs> and so I go downstairs and that's the next three hours of my life. So I was so tired. This, I, have, I had that level of exhaustion this morning where you're so tired, you feel nauseous. That's how mm. I felt this morning. Uh, cranked out three columns last night, cranked out another one this morning. Um, my reaction to it was not surprise. Um, what I'm, the stuff I'm about to say is not like, 
ooh, I've got great inside sources. The stuff that I report on is like, this is what everyone in the league knows and isn't telling people, right? The minute that Kyrie Irving demanded a trade last summer, I got a text that said, if Kevin asked out, he's going to want Phoenix. That was the first thing I heard about it was if Kevin, if, if after, even before Kevin demanded the trade, I got, if Kevin asked out, he's going to want Phoenix. And I immediately bet the Phoenix Suns will win the NBA title because that's like, okay, if there's an uncertain situation. Let's go ahead and get on the value here. Coming off of like their disastrous run. So, and all sure. you, whenever I would, would talk to people in the league, I kept hearing the same thing. And it was unprompted as I would say like, you know, what are you hearing? And it's like, oh, you know, it's Toronto. So they're always a pain to deal with. Or Utah's really trying to get as many assets as possible. And it makes it kind of tough to get a deal. And they say like, you know, Memphis is not necessarily all that urgent. And then Phoenix would come up and I would hear everything with Phoenix winds up being them asking questions about if they were, if they were to involve us in a bigger deal, what would they be willing to take on for salary? And I was like, huh? And they're like, that's usually a sign that they have something else that they're working on and they want to be able to make a big move. And they just want you to come in on the end and make it work. And mm-hmm. consistently I heard that, which was like, yeah, we offered them this thing or we talked to them about something but they wanted something like they were like, yeah, okay. If, if other things that we're working on don't work out, we'll call you back. And what you, if you look at the timeline, it goes, and especially here's, what's really interesting. The timeline goes right when the nets start to play really well. And it's like, Oh, Hey, the nets might actually get this together. And Kyrie's playing great and blah, blah. Kyrie's put all the, then, you know, the, that, that silly little controversy where, you know, he promoted an anti-Semitic film. Um, totally normal thing. They put that behind him. Right as that started to happen, that's when conversations for Jay Crowder and the Bucks. That's when they stalled. And all of a sudden, the Bucks went back and were like, "Hey, can we finish this deal?" The Suns were like, "Let's hold on a little bit." And I thought that was really interesting. And the reason is because that's when it became apparent that Kyrie was going to play well, and then he was going to ask for the extension, and the Nets were going to have to decide if they were going to do the extension, and if they didn't do the extension. Kyrie was going to demand out. And if Kyrie was going to demand out, that opens the door for Kevin. Like the Suns saw this coming a mile away and they kept their, the options open the entire time so they could make this move. So I wasn't surprised. It wasn't that it was like, if you, if you told me a month ago, like, Hey, are the Suns getting Kevin Durant? I'd be like, probably not. The, the Nets are awesome. Why would they trade him? You know, but in, in hindsight, you can look at these pieces and go like, oh, and a lot of times it's not me bragging like, oh, I knew it. It's the opposite. It's me being like, oh, God, I'm an idiot. That's how I felt last year about the Harden Simmons thing, where I was like, why did I not see that Daryl was just waiting to be able to move him for Simmons like or to be able to move him for Harden? Why did I not see this? Like, there's all these things that are apparent. These things are so telegraphed and we don't really pick up on it. So I wasn't surprised, but it was more so. And honestly, I was like, OK, so Kevin Durant's there. It wasn't the same. Like I have a real sense of dread whenever one team is going to be super dominant. This is my dread would not have been like, oh no, the Nuggets' title chances are lost because not a Nuggets fan. And it's like they're still a pretty good team. But I would just be like, God, I like the parody, and now it's ruined. And I wasn't like that. I was like, oh, they'll be good. Like they'll be really awesome. They'll be a really tough out. But I was also like, they're beatable. Like losing McHale hurts. Losing Cam Johnson hurts. The bench isn't as good as last year. The team hates DeAndre Ayton. That's a problem. And so, um, and then I thought about it from a Nuggets lens, and I really did kind of come to. I I still think the Nuggets are better. I I just do. That is a first of all, uh, bravo. That's a I love hearing about that kind of timeline because to me, it, it makes covering this worth it. 
it makes uh, kind of kind kind of being able to hear some of those conversations and and understand the the logistics of everything, be able to just go through that. Oh my god, like that had to be a complete trip when you when you started to really piece those things together. And man, it did seem like a lot of the NBA started to kind of go that direction and tread that direction that that could be a real thing that happened, but. That's a that's a wild thing. That is a wild behind the scenes take. So thank you for that. Um, I I am afraid of Kevin Durant. I think that he is an incredible basketball player and maybe the best basketball player in the world when it comes to May and June. Like there are a lot of guys. Like I, I think that he was unfairly villainized in the Boston series last year. I think that. He did not have a great system around him. And did he not play well? Sure. Was he kind of put into a bad position to fail? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that he was obvious, obviously put into a situation where he could fail. But I don't really – kind of made his own bed, as we've talked about before. Uh, I think that this is going to be a great fit for those teams, or for, for that team specifically. Those guys, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton – it's going to be really tough to get that up to speed, as you know, because like chemistry is just very, very difficult. It's just, it is just a very difficult thing. And and because they are veterans, especially Chris Paul and, and Kevin Durant, like those guys should be able to figure out how to work together and how to make it work. I would be worried about DeAndre Ayton and like Devin Booker can adjust and, and do everything. And he wants to do everything too, but I also think that everybody's just a pretty strong personality of that particular quartet and things could get a little bit dicey at various points. But when you think about the talent on paper, that's a really, really talented quartet. And it's, it's tough to see that being an easy series. That's for sure. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tough. There's a couple of things. Katie's never really fit into a system. Uh, if you watch the Warriors, it really was, you would notice that when KD left the floor, they would run Warriors stuff and they, they would be like, they would do Warriors things. And then KD was there and it was like trying to run a Warriors ish thing with like KD tacked on in the middle because KD just doesn't really, like, he's so singularly good that you can't really ask him to be part of a system. And so you have to build your system around him. But that also doesn't work because Chris Paul is a guy that makes the system work. He's the engine. And Devin Booker has evolved into being his own engine. And like that combination is what works. So instead of like, there's a capacity here for it to be like that chemistry, that three-way synergy could be amazing. But that takes time, like you said. And they have a month and a half. That's yeah, what they got. Like, they got a think month about and how a half. Long, think about how long it took for the Heat to get their stuff to work. Like Chris, Chris Bosch. Uh, was was floundering for a, a lot of that time, trying to figure out how am I going to get my shots? How am I going to fit into this situation? How can I help make this uh, help this team win the games that they need to? And that might be Devin Booker at various points. That might be Kevin Durant at various points. One of those guys is going to have to step up, either Booker or Durant, as another defender. Like they'll have Torrey Craig. They'll have. Uh, I don't know. Like they might, they might add somebody in the buyout market. I guess we should talk about that here soon. But I do think that Denver, like, 
if they were to run into that team specifically, Aaron Gordon is going to have to have the series of his life uh, guarding Kevin Durant, and it would be a big, big pressure point. And if he does hold up pretty well without getting into foul trouble, then that could be a great thing. Uh, Michael Porter going to be in a really tough spot because kind of like what you talked about with Phoenix before, like Phoenix can run Phoenix Sun stuff. And that's a time where Michael Porter is probably not going to do well. I actually think that the times where Michael Porter is on the court against Kevin Durant, it might actually be better in general. So I I think part of that, and this is going to be my big talking point with the KD stuff. You don't need to worry about who's going to guard KD. It doesn't matter. KD's going to get 35. Mm-hmm. He's going to get 35. He might get 50. It's KD. Like you have to bake that in. You're going to face great players in this in the NBA. Right. You're you're going to face great players and he's going to do what he's going to do. And the bigger problem is like you can't have stuff like here's a good example. You can't have stuff where it was like Jalen Brunson was cooking Donovan Mitchell. That's a problem. Right? You can't have it be like, "Well, wait, we managed to keep like Luca had a bad game and we got our asses kicked because Donovan can't guard Jalen Brunson and Rudy's all of Rudy's defense is completely nullified by the fact that he has to cover the corner. Like those are the kind of things that you can't handle. But like I think MBJ and actually look at the last couple of his son's matchups, they've gone at him, and this has been a, a an increasing trend. Teams have tested him and failed, and then been like, Okay, this isn't the weak spot that we thought it was. And it'll be harder in the playoffs. But ultimately, here's also, I got to be really serious about this. This is a huge advantage. MBJ can play as physical as he wants. If he gets in foul trouble, it's okay. They got options. Yeah. That's serious. Like, play physical and risk it a little bit. Play physical. Bump them up a little bit. And if that happens, if you get in foul trouble, they can survive while you're on the bench. And then you can come back in and do it again. And you can manage all this. Like, I really do think that that's going to be okay. Like the biggest concern is Booker because Chris has slid in significant ways. Like Chris isn't the same Chris he was two years ago. It's Chris is 38 instead of 36. And let me tell you, the, the post 35 Hill is pretty fucking steep. So there's like <laughs> problems there. Um, and then on top of all of it is just like, look, Katie is 34 coming off the Achilles has had injuries every year. Chris has had an injury. Every single playoffs, he always suffers something. I love the guy. I'm the only person in Denver that loves Chris Paul, but Chris always has something happen to him. Devin's coming off of a hamstring that's going to probably bother him the rest of the year. Like the margins are razor for that thin. The margins for Denver are wide. Yeah, fair. And honestly, with the way the Jokic creates, with the way that Murray has played, that's a great thing. And and Denver being able to do that on a consistent basis and also have like they have a pretty good defensive supporting cast around those two. Uh, the Suns don't. The Suns do not have a good supporting cast around those four guys. They will be able to find some good defensive matchups for sure, but and they'll they'll be able to find some some ways for Kevin to do some things and Devin Booker to do some things and Tory Craig will have a great game various points, but I I'm I'm with you. I think that Denver's okay. It's going to be tough. Right now, I handicapped it as a as basically a, a coin flip uh, between those two teams, but I can understand why people would go Suns. I can understand why people would go Nuggets. I think that that's a I think that's a fair uh, debate at it this point. Depending all, it on what you see, all time series. It should be amazing, but like, yeah. I think I do think that this is part of it. Um, 
there's a lot of just like the the stress today and the reactions from the Nuggets fans. And I'm, I part of me is like, it wasn't going to be easy no matter what. Even if you thought it, it looked it looked like it was going to be easy, it wasn't. Somebody was going to get hot and be really tough, and you're going to find yourself in a tough matchup. You're going to have a series where it's harder than you thought it was going to be. Whether it's Clippers, Mavericks, whoever, you're going to have a series where you're like, I thought this one was going to be easier, and it's way tougher. That's how it goes. Um, a great example of this, if you want proof of this to make you feel better, the 2008 Celtics are one of the best teams of all time by a lot of measures. They went seven games with the Atlanta Hawks, led by rookie Al Horford, Joe Johnson, and Josh Smith. Like yeah. the Hawks were all, were there on knocking off the KG Pierce Celtics, right? It's wild. So like it's it was gonna be tough. So you shouldn't act like you know, oh no, we trade Bones Highland for two seconds. What are we gonna do? It was gonna be tough always. This team is good enough to do it anyway. And I, in my opinion, this team has always risen to the challenge. They've always risen to the toughest moments. Their problem has been, they lost to the Blazers when they had, didn't have the experience and they got a few random performances that they weren't prepared for. They lost to the Lakers because the Lakers were legitimately better and they weren't ready for it. They lost to the Suns because they didn't have Jamal Murray and MPJ was banged up. They lost to the Warriors because they didn't have Jamal Murray or MPJ and the Warriors were better. Like there's nobody better in the West that I will say this, like the Suns aren't better than Denver. They've moved to Denver, but they're not better than Denver. Denver has way too much in favor of it from every single aspect. And like, you're just going to have to like, you're going to have to buy into the fact of it's going to be hard, but bring it on because if you're going to have a great team, it's going to be like this to war. Let's go. I'm excited. That should be, it should be a lot of fun. Like that's, this is what the playoffs are all about, man. Like that's, that is what these journeys are built on. So Nuggets fans, uh, take solace in that. This should be a really, really fun ride. Uh, really quickly. I, I want to like, what, what were like one or two other trades that you were like, Hey, this one we, we should talk about as a, as a Nuggets listener. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I thought the Clippers moves were interesting. It gives them another shooter. I think it's actually particularly interesting from a long-term perspective. Uh, the undercurrent that no one's talking about is, do, do you know who Reggie Jackson's good friends with? Paul George. Do you know who John Wall's really good friends with? Paul, uh, George. Paul George. You know who's not on this team anymore? Reggie Jackson. Of those guys. And John Wall. Uh, Kawhi Leonard wanted, wanted a new guard. He wanted a new point guard. And so they went and they got Eric Gordon. It's notable. It's interesting. Um, they add another center. They get Mace. That's a, it's just like a body. To th- and everybody's like, yo, Yoko, kill him. Of course. You just like, you just want fouls. You, they just don't want to have it be where Zubach gets six fouls, you know, fouls out of the eight minute mark. And they're trying to get through the rest of the, of game six, fourth quarter with Mark, with Marcus Morris <laughs> trying to guard Joker. Like that's, that's why they got Mace. Have, have um, to pull a Portland trailblazers from that series uh, a couple of years ago. So I, I thought it was really kind of interesting. Um, watching like what the Clippers did, but they're probably a little bit better. I think that that's significant. Um, look, the Lakers have NBA players now. Yeah. That's, that's the, the change here. If Denver loses to them, it's an epic failure, but the risk is higher. Now it's not going to be a, a walk. You're going to have to beat a team that's got AD and LeBron. Well, LeBron at least, um, <laughs> and has actual NBA players and a lot of guys that are going to be motivated to be Denver. So, um, they got better. 
I don't know that. I don't know that Kennard moves the needle that much for Memphis for Denver to actually care, but that makes them better. It's just like, it's a, it's a shooter for a team that doesn't take a lot of threes. That helps. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like everyone is just like, what the hell is Portland doing? No one knows what Port, what, what Portland did today. That was bizarre. You know, look, uh, Gary Payton, if he's healthy, helps the Warriors, but I don't know. Like we talk about margins for error. The Warriors were the team that like, to me, defined margin for error in their prime. And now their margin for error is so slim. Like it is just so tiny. Um, I don't know that anything that the Warriors did today moves the needle for Denver. Peyton will probably give Jamal a hard time, but again, that series was going to be tough. You're facing Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. So The biggest ones I think are the Lakers, obviously the Suns, um, and then you know the. I, I will see. We'll see what the Mavericks look like. I'm very curious to see what that matchup looks like for Denver now with Luca and Kyrie instead of Dorian and Spencer. Denver doesn't play the Lakers again. They played them four times in the first 40 games or so. So it's unfortunate that they don't get at least one uh, matchup against that team just to see what it looks like. Um, but it's honestly okay. Like Denver should be fine. Like Denver's fine in the West, Matt. Denver should be okay. There's there's no there's no issues with anybody other than that that Slim Reaper guy. Um, they are going to be like all of these teams are going to be tough. Uh, I made the joke last night that yeah, the uh, R.I.P. to Easter Conference superiority. Like that that was that was short lived. That was fun. Very very enjoyable time that was where you had a lot of great contenders in the East and then one of them broke and the others, I think also have major flaws. If you're talking Milwaukee, Phoenix or Philly and uh, Boston, like all of those teams have major flaws, just as all of the teams in the West have major flaws. I think that this, the playoffs, like the championship race is as wide open as it's ever been. And that should be, that should be really exciting. I know it's really exciting for you. I know it's really exciting for everybody. Uh, this should be a lot of fun, but a lot of teams are going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing is like the story of the season. <laughs> you, you think we've seen the twists and turns. You think we've seen all the, all, all the things that could, all the shock. No, like there's going to be stuff where we're going to be like, wow, like what, a, what a huge event that changed the course of NBA history. And look, Denver's just as just Denver is just as vulnerable to those things as all the other teams are. So this is like why I will just beg and plead people to please enjoy this team and stop being like, God, why didn't Blacko play more? Why didn't Christian like they won by thirty five? Guys, can we, can we just <laughs> can you just enjoy having the best team I think in Nuggets history? Jeff Morton thinks it's the seventy seven team, but like. I, the, you need to enjoy this season. This team is awesome. It's one of the best teams I've seen in the league in 15 years of covering it. This is up there on that list. I don't think it's like top five for the best teams I've ever seen, but it's top 15 with a chance of it's top 10 with a top chance of, with a chance of being in that conversation for one of the best I've ever seen that won a title. You, you have a legit chance of winning the title. So all of you buck up. I'm telling you, time to get tough. Come on. I'll start to get tough. Come on now. Uh, last thing I, I want to share six names uh, really briefly. And I want you to rank them in terms of how helpful they would be to Denver's title chances in terms of ranking possible buyout candidates. Um, This is where you're going to like, you're making a face right now and you're, you're (laughs) making motions. And I think you understand where this is going to go. Um, 
the actual buyout like list is of players that are not super helpful to teams, at least in the championship context. And I think NBA our Nuggets fans need to know that, that whoever they get is going to be flawed if they do get anybody. But here are six names that I came up with. John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Danny Green, Patrick Beverly, Will Barton, and Reggie Jackson. I think those are six guys that represent another kind of replacement in the vein of Bones Highland, but not quite the same player, maybe a little bit more helpful in different ways. Uh, Which of those six players stands out to you the most? How many? Sorry. Which of there those? were six. There were six. Yeah, players. I heard the six. Okay, so just which of those guys? Um, yes, they should. They should absolutely go try and get Danny Green. Yeah, one hundred percent. That is a perfect fit. Danny is perfect. He is smart. He is a Spurs player. He understands. Like Joker will be like, oh, like you get it. Oh, <laughs> like that will go work really well. <laughs> um, Danny's not going to be the same defender after the injury. He's just not after Joel Embiid landed into him uh, trying to flop and hurt his ACL. That's a thing that genuinely happened. Um, yeah. He, uh, but, he, but still like of those guys, John doesn't know how to play without the ball. Russ doesn't know how to play without the ball. Um, who are the other guys on the list that uh, Pat Beverly, yeah, uh, you yeah, don't, Pat Bev. there will be a, there will be a fair argument that Pat Bev's combination of intensity and just outright snarling dogness would be a benefit to this team in terms of adding somebody with that. I just kind of think that most teams just kind of roll their eyes at Beverly. He's not a reliable shooter. He's not a reliable decision maker. And I, I, I have come around to Mares as a way of thinking more and more of this team's going to have to be the Spurs. The Spurs never needed snarling dog. They never needed the guy barking at the other team. They never needed the guy taking off his shirt and standing on tables. Um, I don't think that this team needs it. I think they can be the Spurs. And to that end, you know who is a really great spur? Danny Green. So that would be my pick. Uh, he would will look. Will Reggie? Reggie actually, I think, was, has had some really good years. But Reggie would would drive everyone nuts. And with Will, I also just think like it's not fair to Will to bring him back. It's not fair to Will. Like Will wouldn't have a chance to really play here. Will gave so much to this team and they moved him because he wasn't good enough. Um, I just think like Will deserves better than to come back here and sit on the bench and just hang out. Like let Will try and bring his value back somewhere in the league. Like let him go make money somewhere else. So um, that's where I'm at. As I think, I think the only one on that list I would be interested in is Danny Green. Corey Joseph, also another potential guy that uh, Robert brings up. He would be he'd be good. He'd be helpful. He'd be a veteran. He'd understand what uh, <laughs> former spur, former spur, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I think. Uh, look, I think I think Corey would be uh, would run. I think a lot of the stuff where they you know that second ball handler because Bruce really I just I think it's a tough fit for him. Like Corey Joseph and Thomas Bryant would be like, oh, okay, so we'll just do this and we'll do this yeah. for six minutes. And then Joker will come back in. Cool. Yeah, like honestly, I I don't think that Denver needs anything crazy. They're 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 they have their nine guys. I think I think their nine guys are the starters: Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Vlaco Chanchar, and Thomas Bryant. I think that's their nine. 
uh, whether Jeff gets in there at some points, whether Zeke gets in there at some points, uh, maybe Ish gets in there at some points. Uh, that that I don't think DeAndre is going to get it anymore, but maybe so. I think that those nine are going to be the primaries, and you'll have other chances to mix and match at various points. Maybe you get another guy who's more of a a point guard, more of a a ball handler, just or even just somebody who can who can break down a defense like a Corey Joseph. That would be great. Uh, Danny Green, as you said, though, it, it would be nice. It would be nice to have some insurance, uh, or maybe just somebody who you don't have to play Christian Brown. Like you could play Danny freaking Green because he's awesome. You're muted. I think they don't need anybody. They just they don't need anybody. Like the idea that they need anybody is flawed. Yeah, I just I, I, it's especially it's like if they needed somebody, it was Thomas Bryant. Like that's that's who they needed, and they got him. And so I think they'll they'll be okay. Um, Todd's in here. Who's Todd's very upset, and Todd's talking about about how Ish sucks. Ish was bad tonight. Ish has been really good for this team. He's actually made defensive plays. I think he's a fine backup point guard. Um, I don't want to play Ish Smith in a playoff series. If I have to play Ish Smith in a playoff series, I'm probably going to be okay. The li- the list of guys that have been surprisingly okay at backup point guard in the playoffs is very long. Yeah. So like, they're okay. They're fine. I'm happy to hear it. I think that everybody should be. Do you feel better with? Yeah. No, I I feel. So here's the thing, Matt. I feel I feel like. I react in the moment pretty strongly. And then as any normal human does, I come back to planet earth for sure. And I think about it. I breathe. This is why I do my podcast later. This is why I don't do something immediately after the game or right when I get home or anything like that, because I feel like more than anybody, I benefit from taking a breath and refocusing and, and just, just making sure that what I'm saying makes sense. And I think that I, I try to take my time with it. And I think on, on this particular one where last night, if I recorded about Kevin Durant, probably would have been a different conversation than if recorded tonight. So that's yep. just that's just how that goes. But um, either way, no, hey, this has been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you hopping on. I know we've gone for over an hour now and had a lot of people hopping in to, to stop by and, and hear, hear Matt. So this is a uh, Great. Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to plug at Action or on Lockdown before before we hop out? Yeah, I have like ten thousand words. Just go download the Action Action Network app. I got stuff on everything from the trades, the trades, the major ones that matter, the KD trade, the perspectives on that, how it's going to fit together, all those kind of things. Um, check it out, the Action Network app. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to Lockdown Nuggets, please consider it. Um, if nothing, if for no other reason than Adam is really good on there, and Adam's very different than he is on DMVR. So if you're looking for a different kind of show, um, check out. Locked on Nuggets, which uh, I'll have an episode tomorrow. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. I would love to have you on. We're, we're going to continue to speak uh, throughout the rest of this season. Maybe we can get onto the live show hype, hype train. This should be a lot of fun, but everybody's, we're going to have a great time with this. Uh, I'm really excited for this season, man. I think this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a great close. And Whatever else, it's going to be exciting. You got, I know. It's really great. You got like four more months to complain about Bruce Brown's defense. It's awesome. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> It'll never happen again after that. <laughs> True. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. 
for everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Uh, make sure to go follow Matt's stuff uh, at HP Basketball. Make sure to go check out and download the Action Network app, as he mentions. Uh, I have writing at MHS. Make sure to go check that out, too. Always trying to do stuff. Always trying to grow this program as well. So should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much to everybody. We'll talk to you guys very soon.